On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about hell. Lots of folks are denying its existence. Uh, pretty surprising. Yeah, that's been in the news a lot lately because even the Pope, the Catholic Pope, has said that there is no hell. So we want to talk about that tonight and talk about what the Bible says. That's, of course, what we're always trying to do on the virtual Bible study. What does the Bible say? All right. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday april 5th 2018 well, thank you for being on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Monty's behind the controls. Monty, welcome to the program tonight. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. And welcome to you on the other end of the line. And you can join in at 877-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat room with other listeners tonight. All right. We're going to talk about hell and we'll talk in a minute about some of the things, sort of amazingly, that the Pope in Rome had to say about it. Um, but before we do that, let us tell you about our uh, weekly update on the topic for discussion, virtual Bible study. If you're not on our list, get on our list. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list, and we'll do that. And on Thursday, about midday, we send out an update what our topic is going to be. And today we indicated that we'll be talking about hell and our discussion being provoked by recent comments by the Pope. And so here's the questions. When we get to them, these are the ones we want to try to address. Number one, in the Bible, who was it that taught about hell anyway? Number two, how is hell described in the Bible? Number three, how long will hell last? Number And as a sub-point to that, is it would it ever be the case that after a minute, after 10 minutes, after 10 years, after 100 million years, that uh, will will sinful souls ever be annihilated, cease to exist? Number four, what are some of the things that will make hell such a terrible place? And number five, what is the difference between hell and Hades? Okay. So we'll try to cover those questions as we get into our study tonight. We'd be looking for your response. If you want to send an email, send it to questions at collegeview.com. Remember, always remember when you're corresponding with us, College View is spelled funny. C-O-L-L-E-G-E, college, V-U-E, collegeview.com. We've got an award for you if you get it right. Uh, you get a free bumper sticker. We'll send you a bumper sticker. We'll add you to our mailing list. All right. We'll be glad to do that. Okay. All right, so what got us on this topic, Jacob, is because it's been in the news. Surprisingly, it's been in the news yeah. quite a bit during the last week. Okay. Uh, the Pope, Pope Francis, had an interview with a friend of his, apparently a longtime friend of his, who is an avowed atheist, quite amazingly. The guy's name is Eugenio Scalfari. I don't probably haven't said that right. It sounds very Italian. But this guy is is an atheist, a well-known atheist. But apparently Pope Francis has regular contact with this guy. They're good buddies. Mm-hmm. So he was this Scalfari was interviewing the Pope uh, leading up to Easter. And this is what... This is what he. This is what the atheist Scalfari asked the Pope. He said, "You have never spoken to me about the souls who died in sin and will go to hell to suffer it for eternity. You have, however, spoken to me of the good souls admitted to the contemplation of God. I guess that means you get to go and contemplate or look at God. The good souls do, but what about the bad souls? Where are they punished?" So that was the question. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis repli- replies. They are not punished. Those who repent obtain the forgiveness of God and enter into the rank of souls who contemplate him. But those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. Uh Now, of course, that immediately uh, set off fireworks within the Catholic Church itself because the Catholic catechism plainly teaches what we think the Bible teaches about the eternal hell. 
Let me read from the Catholic Catechism. Of course, it, what the Catholic Catechism says doesn't establish anything in our mind, but yeah. it is interesting that it do, in this case it does agree with the Bible. Here's what they say in the Catholic Catechism. Quote, the teaching of the church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. Immediately after death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. The chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God, in whom alone man can possess the life and righteousness for which he was created and for which he longs. The affirmation of the sacred scriptures and the teaching of the church on the subject of hell are a call to the responsibility incumbent upon man to make sure of his freedom in view of his eternal destiny. There are at the same time an urgent call to conversion. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and many who enter, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Since we know neither the day nor the hour, we should follow the advice of the Lord and watch constantly so that when the single course of our earthly life is completed, we may merit to enter with him into the marriage feast and be numbered among the blessed and not like the wicked and slothful servants be ordered to depart into eternal life, uh, excuse me, into eternal fire, into outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. So, uh, I, we would have lots of issues with the Catholic catechism on many doctrinal points, I'm certain. But on this one, they seem to have it right that there is an eternal hell. And we, we, we need to be living in preparation for judgment, lest we be doomed there for eternity. Um, it's Interestingly, not only the Catholic catechism says this, but the prior pope, Pope Benedict, said in a sermon in 2007, quote, Jesus came to tell us that he wants us all in heaven and that hell, of which so little is said in our time, exists and is eternal for those who close their hearts to his love. Mm -hmm. So not only do we have the current pope at odds with official Catholic Church teaching, we also have him at odds with the prior pope who spoke of, of his understanding about eternal hell so that's a real problem because the 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 pope of course is the official uh representative of the church i think so i think maybe sometimes the catholic church not the the church when i say the church i'm at the catholic church Uh, but uh you know a lot of times we uh, it is suggested that the pope is supposed to be infallible but i in all fairness i think they claim the pope is infallible only at such times as he speaks i think their expression is ex cathedra when he speaks ex cathedra he's supposed to be infallible uh but it is interesting that two two successive popes take absolutely opposite positions on this question and the pope himself the current pope is taking a position directly contradictory to the official teachings of the Catholic Church, and that really puts them in a jam. Uh, so they came out with a statement. The Catholic Church came out with a statement. Uh, this is a, a news release from the Vatican. Quote, the Holy Father Francis recently received the founder of the newspaper La Repubblica in a private meeting on the occasion of Easter without, however, giving him any interviews. What is reported by the author in today's article in La Repubblica is the result of his reconstruction in which the textual words pronounced by the Pope are not quoted. No quotation of the aforementioned article must therefore be considered as a faithful transcription of the words of the Holy Father. And so the the Vatican is scrambling to try and cover its bases the Pope hasn't come out and said, I didn't say that. But the fact of the matter is there wasn't apparently a, an official recording of the interview. And what this Scalfari in La Repubblica, what he wrote was his reconstruction of the conversation took place between him and the Pope. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that, that it's a fairly accurate rendition of what took place. And the Pope himself has not denied that he said it. But the Vatican is trying to cover its bases by saying, well, yeah, but. It wasn't an official interview, and you can't take that uh, as as gospel truth. Well, all right. Uh, very shocking, uh, very disturbing. Uh, and so uh, has a lot of people talking and thinking about hell, 
these days. Uh, so what do you think about it? 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Is the idea of hell, of eternal <coughs> punishment, a biblical doctrine? What do you think about that? You know, it's not only the Pope who currently does not believe in eternal hell. I think that probably most people, and in fact, when polls have been made, almost everybody believes in heaven, and a a much lower percentage of people believe in hell. So just within the general population, there's there's a lot of people who don't believe in eternal punishing hell. Uh, U.S. News and World Report in an article about this said, by most accounts, hell has all but disappeared from the pulpit rhetoric of mainline Protestantism. Uh, Kenneth Kirchner, editor of Christianity Today, said, I haven't preached a sermon on hell in more than three decades. Uh, a fellow named Kraus, who's a pastor of the Dunbarton Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., said, my congregation would be stunned to hear a sermon on hell. That's stunned. Martin Marty, professor at the University of Chicago, says hell has disappeared and no one noticed. And so the... It's surprising that the Pope would come out in opposition to what is still the current and official policy of the Catholic Church in this regard. But the fact of the matter is that he's just expressing an opinion that really has taken strong root in the religious world in general to deny the reality of hell to not talk about it. It just isn't there anymore. All right. Uh, It uh, is shocking, but uh, may not be isolated to just those in far left denominations. That's right. I've got a quote here from the former president of Pepperdine University, quoted in the Los Angeles Times. Now, remember, for those of our listeners who are familiar with Churches of Christ, you may know that Pepperdine University is has been, since its founding, uh, associated with Churches of Christ. I, I would have to say very liberal Churches of Christ, with whom we would probably have considerable differences. But Pepperdine has been way out there uh, among Churches of Christ and those affiliated with Churches of Christ. Pepperdine University has been way out there in left field uh, for a long time. But the, the former president of Pepperdine University said, For years I have lived with a developing pressure because of my intellectual conflict with the fundamentalistic dogmas and doctrines of the Church of Christ. For years it has been increasingly difficult for me to accept the simplistic assumptions of hellfire and brimstone which most preachers in this church teach. So uh, even, I mean, uh, even among churches of Christ, uh, there are those who are denying the reality of hell. And I don't know, um, have you ever heard an explanation of the scriptures that teach about hell, those who don't agree with the idea of hell? I I, I never never have. Nobody's really dealt with the scriptures. Oh, this is what they really mean. It's more of a, well, it just doesn't seem to me like God would send someone. Yeah, it's usually the emotional argument that I can't believe a loving God would ever send part of his creation. It's beyond my comprehension, but nobody really says, well, see, you're misinterpreting that passage. What you're you're saying that verse means is not what it means. They don't do that. I never have heard that. Right. But I I think probably some make an effort, but it must be a very feeble effort because it certainly doesn't get any headlines. (laughs) I guess not. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Let's get to break. And when we get back, we'll get your thoughts and look at what the Bible teaches. Who's... Uh, not that it really matters who's teaching of the Bible. The Bible teaches it, the Bible teaches it, but you might be surprised to hear who teaches about hell in the Bible. And uh, we'll take your comments on the other side. If you're not in the chat room, sign in there and send in your comments. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A man can be judged by the things at which he laughs. 
The right and good way is seldom the easy way. You are not the first to have happened to you whatever it is that is happening to you. Man, I wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we're talking about hell and what the Scriptures teach about it. We're going to contrast that with what others have said, even the Pope himself perhaps denying that hell exists. What do the Scriptures teach about it? Who taught about it in the Bible? Well, I, I thought an interesting place to start would be to talk about, okay, well, where did this idea come from anyway? If it's not, if there is no hell, if sinful souls just disappear and they are not punished, then whoever, how did we ever dream up this idea of hell to start with? Well, a simple uh, review of the scriptures will indicate that the person who had more to say about hell than any other person is Jesus Christ himself. Right. And uh, that's kind of interesting. And, and let's just look at a handful of those verses that you were talking about a minute ago, Jacob, where... It just seems so plain uh, that Jesus was talking about hell. Matthew five twenty two. I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Mm-hmm. So Jesus speaks of hell fire. He goes on there in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew, beginning verse 29. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And then Matthew 10, verse 28. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so that's just a handful of examples of where Jesus was one who talked a lot about hell, more than anybody else. All right. If there is no hell, uh, what? let me read again how the Pope worded that. Uh, there is no hell. I mean, that's what he exactly said. Jesus certainly talked about the reality of hell. Now, we're going to talk in a minute about how long is that going to last. But right now, we're just talking about who spoke of it and who spoke of it in the sense of it exists. It's a real place, and it's a place where punishment will occur. Uh, we'll talk about how long it lasts, but right now, just focus on the fact Jesus said there is a hell. The Pope said, who are you going to believe about that? Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Uh, who are you attempted to decide with there, Monty, on that one? Tough call for you? Uh, it's a pretty easy call for me. I'm going with Jesus. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Uh, but again, to, to what you were saying earlier, Jacob, what are we missing here? If that's, if, 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 are we reading that wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a nuance there that I can't see, but it's hard for me to, the real, to think that that's uh, meaning anything else than uh, Eternal damnation. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not an extensive list of Jesus' teachings on the no, subject. No. no. But that's just a, a taste of what he says. Yeah. All right. And then, of course, we could add to that. I don't think we have to add to that. But I think we could add to that by pointing out that the inspired apostles also taught about hell. For instance, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2, beginning verse 6. He will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Now the word hell is not in that text, obviously, but it's certainly talking about the idea that there will be a reality of punishment Notice the, the the Pope said, let me go back to that again. The Pope said, uh, those who uh, cannot be forgiven because they won't repent, they disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. If you just die and disappear, your soul ceases to exist. How would you How would you interpret these words? Those who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, to them will be indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. If they just cease to exist, how could they how could they experience wrath, the indignation and wrath of God, 
tribulation and anguish, if they just cease to exist, how do they how do they experience tribulation and anguish? Yeah. So again, Jesus and the inspired apostles clearly taught about the idea of punishment. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Uh, in the chat room, uh, guest sixty five seventy three says, "Are you guys talking about? Are you guys going to talk about Gehenna? Well, we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, the words that are uh, behind this because uh, yeah. the King James Bible uh, does re- uh, translate three three, three, three words. different words. We had a, actually, if you go into our archives, we've got a whole program where we talked about the words that describe hell." Uh, and uh, but we, we, we will review that real quickly at the end of our study tonight because it, the King James version, although it's the version I always use and I think is a really good one, there are others too that are good. Not all of the translations are good. There's some bad ones out there. I think the King James translation is a good translation, but it makes a mess of the word hell. Uh, and and so we'll we'll sort of deal with that as we get toward the end of our study tonight all right if you have any other comments uh send them in the chat room give us a call the line is open now uh kent in the chat room says in general uh, an email i'm sorry in the email says in the general sense the totality of biblical inspiration teaches about the reality of hell specifically christ paul here's a couple you didn't get peter and james and john communicated uh, by the reality of hell okay so there's just a lot the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of teaching in the New Testament about hell. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the bottom line. All right. Okay, so we went on to to, to ask, how then is hell described uh, in the Bible? And, and there, there are several descriptions. But I, here's a place, another place, where I kind of surprisingly took some consolation in the Catholic catechism because they said that, the chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God. I think that's actually right because uh, one of the, the descriptives of hell that will make it a bad, horrible place is that we'll be ban- those who sin and are and won't repent, who are, are not forgiven, who are lost in sin, who die in that state, they're going to be banished from God's presence. Matthew 25, verse 41, in, in a context where Jesus was describing the final judgment, in Matthew 25, verse 41, Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. A special emphasis on the depart from me. Uh, by the way, that reading that passage where it says that this, this everlasting fire is prepared for the devil and his angels reminded me of a comment we got on email from Sandra who said, Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, but if we're disobedient, we will join them there. And that's exactly what Jesus' words there suggest. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that email, Sander. Uh, That was Facebook, actually. Oh, Facebook. All right, thanks. Yeah, Yeah. if you're on Facebook, catch us out over there. Uh, So uh, that uh, would be terrible. The association. Not only is it going to be a bad place, the association. You're going to be away from all who are good. And we'll talk in a minute. You're going to be with all who are bad. But... One more verse uh, where Paul talked about banishment from the presence of God is Second Thessalonians 1, beginning verse 7. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Notice, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Again, you're going to be cast out from the presence of God eternally permanently banished from the presence of god uh that's a bad thing and also i think that describes the hopelessness of that situation what some of the other descriptors also talk about hopelessness but if you don't have access or any opportunity to have any way to communicate to the god who's assigned you to this punishment you know permanently banished from his presence so how is it right now so when i sin as as a christian First John chapter 2 says, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So I sin, and I'm uh, sin, sin separates me from God, Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says. But I have a chance to be reconciled to God. I, I, can, I can come back uh, uh, as I repent of my sin and confess them and seek his forgiveness. I can come back uh, through my advocate, Jesus Christ. But in, in the case of eternity, there is no such 
chance to come back to God. It's going to be permanent. Permanent. Uh, certainly a terrifying thought. 877-381-4567. Again, there in first, or Second Thessalonians 1, verse 9, everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Okay. All right. Monty, any thoughts on your side of the screen tonight? You know, if let's just say the Pope was right and there's not a hell, that's really an invitation to low living. Because I know for me, if, if there was no idea of punishment, for things that I've done wrong, there's, you know, why would I not do the wrong things? Because the very, the very worst it could be is I'm just not going to be anymore. So I'm not going to be punished. There's not going to be any pain or live sorrow. For, live for the moment. Just it's, it's do all you, for right all, now because that's all that really matters. And it's all you got. So it's, as you as you said, Monty, I think accurately, uh, it's an invitation to low living, but it actually seriously diminishes the the redemptive work of Jesus. Mm. I mean, so. Uh, you know, to us who think that if Jesus hadn't come and shed his blood on the cross to redeem us from our sins, we would be lost to this eternal hell. But if there is no eternal hell, deal and what Jesus did wasn't all that important. You know, take it or leave it. I think it's a I think it's a very blasphemous position to take that there is no hell because it not only, as money you said, invites to low living and an immoral, and an immoral lifestyle, but it also detracts from the the redemptive work of Jesus. Ah, interesting. 6570 what, what did he redeem us from? Yeah. Yeah. If okay. We weren't going to be going to yeah. hell. Yeah. We weren't redeemed from anything. Yeah. 6573 says when a death row inmate is sentenced to death, his sentence isn't just dying. His sentence is missing out on the rest of life. So if God destroys the lost, they are missing out on being in God's presence. 6573 goes on and says everlasting destruction sounds like destruction that lasts forever. Yeah. It certainly I agree, does. I agree. Uh, uh, now, no, but I I don't know if 60, where sixty five seventy three is coming from, because he or she says that Jesus saved us from death. He redeemed us from death. Perhaps indicating that uh, he or she believes that that destruction is just. No, no, I, I think from the previous comments in 60, 65, 73, you can straighten us out on that in the chat room. But I think for, he believes in, in an eternal. Punishment. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Cl- clear us up on that. Sixty-five, seventy-three. What you What you think is? Will the punishment of hell last eternally, or is it a a destruction and you're gone, you're destroyed, and you and you don't you don't exist forever? Tell the Bible refers to that lake of fire and that punishment of being cast into that as being the second death. So I, you know, Jesus did come to save us from death. That second death of eternal death and rather than just a it's not talking about a physical death but a spiritual torture and punishment yeah um it says if you're dead yeah he, 65 says if you're dead it, that lasts forever if you're destroyed that lasts forever okay well maybe we do disagree on that then and i would go back to what paul said in romans chapter two about tribulation and anguish if i'm destroyed in the sense of annihilated and cease to exist how do I how do I suffer tribulation and anguish? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in other words, if I die, and as soon as I die, I'm, I'm annihilated. I'm, uh, I just disappear, as the Pope said. How do I suffer anguish, tribulation, and anguish? Okay. Um, and the activities that go on there, we'll talk about that. The, the weeping and gnashing of teeth appears to be something that happens to those who are in that state, not those who are. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have not stuff. even begun. We've just barely begun to touch the the the, uh, the description of hell. Let's grab our, our break, Jacob. Come back. We'll, let's get in. Let's get into some more of the descriptives of hell that talk about the fact that it is not annihilation. It is an ongoing punishment. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. Some comments from sixty five seventy three to take on the other side, and hopefully yours as well. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. There are two very different ways to view service in the kingdom of God. They reflect two totally opposite understandings of what really constitutes working for the Lord. The first view holds that a person's effectiveness and growth potential is directly related to the number of things he does in the public assemblies. Those who think this way are disappointed if there are limited opportunities to lead singing, word prayers, make announcements, wait at the Lord's table, and so forth. 
Frequently, they will voice concern that they are, quote, not being used or are, quote, not growing if they don't have numerous chances each month to perform these functions. They seemingly like the limelight and feel unproductive if they can't be in front of the crowd. Such folks are typically unhappy in a larger congregation because a larger group naturally limits the frequency of such public activities. Others have a different outlook on these things. Yes, they are more than willing to do what they can in the worship services. Do you need a song leader or someone to fill in when the preacher is gone? Need a teacher for the junior high or high school class? You need only ask, but these folks feel that such opportunities are only, quote, icing on the cake. They understand that real service is something that springs from a heart that is fully and deeply dedicated to God. If there's something of a public nature that needs done, they'll gladly do it, but they're not sitting back waiting exclusively for such opportunities and murmuring if they don't come. Instead, they are making their own opportunities by teaching their own families, neighbors, and co-workers. They see the needs of the sick and downtrodden. They work, and they do it regardless of whether or not there is someone standing by to observe them. It is this second view that is clearly taught by our Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been to one of our worship assemblies, we would encourage you to come. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, maybe you're traveling through, or maybe you just want to make a special trip. Find out our, about our meeting place and our time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you'd just like to have a discussion with us, have a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, email us, questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe just send us an email to tell us that you're out there listening, and uh, that could be all you send, but we'd just like to hear from you. Questions at collegeview.com. Talking about hell tonight on the program, the Pope says it doesn't exist, that those who are wicked just sort of vanish away, but we see a different picture in the scriptures tonight. Another descriptive of hell that comes from Jesus again is outer darkness. Matthew 8, beginning verse 11, I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Focus in on that weeping and gnashing of teeth in a minute, but... I, I tell you, and maybe this is just uh, oversimplified, but when I think of outer darkness, we even have an expression, you know, I, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I might be going through something really, really rough right now, but I can see a light at the end of the tunnel, which gives me some hope. That little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel gives me hope that it won't last forever. I'll get out. I'll get through this. And to me, and again, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but that expression, outer darkness, is just one of utter, complete hopelessness. Uh, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Monty, any thought on that? You know, that, we've all probably woke up in the middle of the night at one point or another, and it being a really dark night, maybe the shade's closed on the bedroom and no light in the house going, maybe the power's out, and we woke up and felt a darkness that just overfelt, overwhelmed us and just felt like it's Where crushing in us. Yeah. And there was a sense of terror for me at times when I woke up like that associated with it. And to me, when it talks about that being cast out into outer darkness, that's the impression I have, except that even it's going to be worse than that. Because yeah. whether we realize it or not, we're not out of the presence of God right now. Yeah. I mean, we can't touch him and feel him with our senses and put a finger on it and say, right there he is. But still, we're not cast out from him yet. But when we get cast out from him in that outer darkness, we're not even going to have that presence of god we're going to be just out into nothing and overwhelmed by that darkness and and that's i think that's why there's going to be the weeping part of why there'll be the weeping and gnashing teeth because we'll be in all this torture and torment that's going on with us and we can't even see where it's coming from it's just yeah from every side we're overwhelmed by it and our sense the word sensory deprivation i guess in some respect comes to mind yeah, on yeah, that. You, it's you, just everything's bad your description reminds me of being in a cave i mean uh, uh, i remember years ago we visited mammoth cave in kentucky and they, at one point they take you in this one chamber of the cave and they turn all the lights out and i mean it's so dark you can almost touch it i mean it just yeah. feels like it's just swallowing you up and that's and so all of those kind of things I, I i think as the bible typically does about such matters it's trying to put it in put into words so that we can in our feeble uh, you know 
physical bodies and our limited mental capacity try to comprehend how terrible this will be. Um, of course, then maybe the the word that we really got to emphasize because there's some doubt about whether it lasts uh, is everlasting fire. Hell is described as an everlasting fire. Revelation 20:14 is called a lake of fire. Matthew 13, verse 42, it's a furnace of fire. It speaks of that wailing and gnashing of teeth again in that passage. And it, uh, Matthew 18, verse 9, it talks about hellfire. If, it, if it's, and again, one of our uh, um, comments in the chat room suggests, well, maybe it's not painless, but how long does it last? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 41, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In Mark chapter 9, verse 43, beginning, uh, some will go to hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. That sounds like it's ongoing. That doesn't sound like it, it doesn't sound like the torment of hell is, you know, maybe you hurt for a minute and then it's over. Maybe you hurt for a year and it's over. Or a hundred years or a hundred million years and then it's over. There, there's no time factor on everlasting fire. Okay. 877-381-4567. You'd like to call tonight. There's some good discussion in the chat room. We'll get to that in just a minute. Money? You know, that, I think to me in a way that everlasting part is the part that's the scariest. Exactly. Because, you know, as a man and we think we're tough and we can endure things and tough it out and overcome things, I think in our culture we think that way a lot. And so if we knew that hell was going to be some limit to the time of it you know if it's 10 years or 100 years or a thousand years or whatever number you could think okay i could go ahead and do what i want to in this life and have all the fun and engage in all the immoral sinful practice i want to and yes i'm going to go to hell but there's going to be a limit to it. that light at the end of the tunnel you was talking about a while and i can tough it out that long yeah but there's not that light at the end of the tunnel there's not that end to it I can do what I want to now, but I'm going to go to be in that place of punishment if I do it, and it's not ever going to get any better. Um, uh, in a chat room, 6573 says, it, an everlasting fire consumes whatever is put into it. Not so. Not so. Mark 9, verse 44 again, their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The worm dieth not. This is not a fire light. You're, you're trying to relate the fire to a physical fire that consumes what's put in it. But this eternal fire of, of uh, hell, it, it specifically says the, the fire is never quenched. Their worm dieth not, those who suffer that. So it does not consume what is put into it. Uh, 6573 makes another comment in the chat room. But our sin caused physical death. I think that's a misunderstanding by a lot of folks who believe in violation or sort of like what the Pope said, where you just vanish away, is that the death that we see on the earth today is the primary uh, cause or the result, the result of the sin. Yeah. And it, it is a result of the sin, but it's not the primary result of sin, and it's not the, the sin, and it's not the punishment that God promised. Why do babies die? Right. Well, that's right. But it's not, the, it's not the death that God promised. In, Matthew, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, the Lord said, command, God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of, that, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. They died that day. That day they died. Yeah. So that's a spiritual death, a separation from God. Yeah. Um, and but then he, when he, in, in chapter 3, when he, has, he goes on to describe other consequences. That was another consequence. He says you're going to return to the dust from which you came. And you're going to, yeah, and, yeah. and pain in childbirth yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and thorns and thistles. Yeah. So all of those are, are consequences, but it's not the primary punishment yeah. God was talking about there in yeah. Genesis chapter exactly. 2. I think you're okay. right. All right. Uh, again, Matthew twenty-five forty-six. Jesus said, "Some will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal." Which is interesting because if you look at the Greek language there, the description for the punishment, everlasting punishment, the word there, everlasting, is the same word that it describes the righteous go to life eternal. So, however long the life for the righteous will be is how long the punishment for the wicked will be. All right. Jesus used the same word. 
that describe both the punishment and the reward. All right. Um, Matthew 25, verse 46. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, not, not I've got the wrong reference there. The reference you just mentioned. Yeah, 2546, yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right. So um, let me let me catch up with uh, Kent's email. If Kent from Georgia said, Hell is described as a place of outer darkness, fire, punishment, anguish, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, eternal separation from God, Christ, righteousness, and everything that is good. Hell is a place of eternal misery where there will be no rest, which, uh, which necessitates conscious torment. The smoke of the torment of the inhabitants of hell will go up forever and ever. Uh, that's a good point, and I need to find that verse. There's there. This, that's in Revelation, isn't? It? Yeah, I think it is. You the, might find the, that. But uh, notice, uh, it's talking about how long it lasts. I, I, I think we've got to really deal with that. Uh, the, the descriptions are not that you suffer maybe temporarily and then you're gone. I think the Pope says you just disappear, but but in the chat room it's been suggested. Well, maybe there's some there's some pain to the to the uh, process, but eventually you're gone. Uh, that didn't seem to be the case of the rich man in the story of the rich man Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Now we think he was in the torment of Hades. He hadn't been yet cast into eternal hell, but he was consciously suffering that torment uh, uh, because he said. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. This is Luke 16, verses 23, 24. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. It was a flame that tormented him. It wasn't a flame that burned him up and consumed him. It was a flame that tormented him. Yeah, and if you're in that terrible shape, you wouldn't want water. You'd want some gasoline to go ahead and finish it off, right? But he was in that torment that wasn't. There was no end in sight. Yeah. Uh, the, the passage that uh, Kent alluded to in Re- is Revelation chapter f- 14, uh, verse 10, beginning: "The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into a, the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels." And in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now read that again. No, their smoke ascendeth up forever. Again, and ever. it's a lot of figurative the, language here, yeah. but the idea is the they concept have no is rest. they have no rest. They're going to be tormented day uh, and if, night. But if I just cease to exist, if I if I disappear, then. Sounds a lot like rest. Sounds like rest. Doesn't relief it? from the torment. Relief from the torment, and that suggests there is no relief. Lazarus said, "I mean, the rich man in the story of the rich man Lazarus had no rest. He was tormented in the flame." Uh, Daniel chapter twelve, verse two: "Them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt." Doesn't sound like it ends. Everlasting contempt. Sixty-five, seventy-three says talks about Revelation. Says, "Oh, the things in Revelation are literal." You guys always say it's figurative, uh, and we do say it's figurative. A lot of it's figurative, but the concepts, the 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 things we learn from the figurative language have to have some meaning. About the parables as well. Says, are we to take parables literally? No, we're not to take parables literally, but we're to take the lessons that they teach literally, um, and so. Uh, I think uh, there's the difference. Uh, we're not taking the language in Revelation and, chapter and I, three and, and literally. And by the way, we're we taking. Could, we the, could quibble with you about the story of the rich man and Lazarus, whether that's even a parable or not. Oh, there cert- we go. Okay, but, I had to miss that comment. But, yeah. but it certainly wouldn't teach something that's not true. Even if it's a parable, it wouldn't teach something that's not true. It w- you know, that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They say the rich man because they 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 don't believe in eternal hell either, and, and so they say when you bring up the rich man and Lazarus, oh, that's just a parable. Well, I don't know that it's a parable. If it's a parable, it's different than any other parable in several in several significant ways. But even if it's a parable, would Jesus be teaching something that's not true in a parable? Something that's that 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 is factually erroneous? Would Jesus do that in a parable? I don't think he would. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, uh, let's get, you want to get? Uh, let me get Kent's. Kent's got real good comments here about how long hell will last. Hell will last just as long as heaven. For an eternity. There are two specific views regarding hell that are false. One is annihilation, which denies any conscious torment at all. This false doctrine states that the inhabitants of hell will immediately be consumed by fire and thus be annihilated. Another view is the conditional immortality view, also known as the equitable punishment view, which is affirmed by the Seventh-day Adventist, 
and apostates even from the Church of Christ, such as Edward Lee Fudge and F. Lagarde Smith. We could add some others among Churches of Christ, some well-known people. After his death, Homer Haley, a book was published that was written by Homer Haley in which he denied the reality of hell. He says, this heresy teaches that God's punishment will be equitable, that all lost individuals will be personally assessed, and that punishment will be administered upon the basis of one's personal sin. This position falsely affirms that God will gradually remove from sinners the life support system he has used to sustain them in hell. Justice is satisfied. Then they will be consumed in eternal fire and burn up in annihilation. The problem with both of these false doctrines is, is that in, in annihilation, one goes into a condition of non-existence. When one becomes non-existent, one cannot be punished. Uh, the term eternal is used regarding not only concerning the punishment of hell, but also the reward in heaven. Thus, when one opposes eternal punishment of hell, he also of necessity opposes eternal life in heaven. I think well, well said, Kent. All right. Thank you uh, for that comment, Kent. And thank you for the discussion in the chat room. We'll try and get more of it on the other side of the break. Uh, 6573 says, I'm talking too much. Sorry, everyone. No, you're not talking too much. We appreciate your comments, and we look forward to more of them on the other side. We're going to go to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The top phobias of the U.S. population are as follows. First, fear of public speaking, 74%. Second, fear of death, 68%. Third, fear of spiders, 30%. Fear of darkness, 11%. Fear of heights, 10%. Fear of people or social situations, 8%. Fear of flying, 6%. Fear of confined spaces, 2.5%. Fear of open spaces, 2.2%. Fear of thunder and lightning, 2%. All that information is via statisticbrain.com. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program talking about hell. And before we go any farther, we need to make sure that this is one of those subjects, like many others that we talk about, that we have no vested interest in defending hell. Certainly, uh, it's not. It'd be easier to deny Annihilation would be great. Yeah, yeah. Annihilation would be a sort of an easy thing to, to, to. Swallow. Yeah, right. So we're not. I mean, hopefully we're being objective here because we've got nothing to gain uh, by uh, understanding the scriptures this way. Now, um, uh, I, I, we got some comments to get in the chat room tonight. Um, Rick says Jesus described hell as a place where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Mark nine forty four, forty six, and forty eight. How can this be anything but eternal? It also denies the doctrine of annihilism. And he also goes on and says, hell is a place where God's presence will never be. God's presence is what brings many of the good things that exist in this life, no matter how small they can be or might be. And then 6573 says, can a soul be burned with fire and brimstone? Again, we think that's some figurative language. Or at least accommodative language to help us understand the idea of torture, torment, punishment. 6573 asks a question I think is worthy of our discussion. Who is punishing us in hell, God or Satan? God is punishing Sa- us. I think Satan's that, that, going to be punished. That's uh, a misinterpretation of by our society is that Satan's the one that's got the pitchfork and he's sort of sticking it in you or he's shoveling the coals on the fire. Satan's not. Uh, Satan's going to be punished in hell along with the wicked. Yeah. Uh, uh, death and hell. See, I'm looking at Revelation 20, verse uh, 18. Uh, Nope. No, no. What, no, where, are you, no. where are you at? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in 20. Uh, that's the wrong passage. Uh, verse uh, 13. Yeah, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged every man according to it. That's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of, uh, uh, let's see. 
uh, oh, I should have this. I, uh, I should know this. But, uh, maybe. All right. Uh, go ahead. While you're looking there, um, we have in the chat room, uh, God will be on the throne. Satan will, ha- will have been defeated and destroyed, 6573 says. So 6573 says the same, uh, that it, Satan's not going to be the one doing the punishing in hell. Um, and... Um, all right. Uh, but I guess I'm thinking Second Peter two verse four. God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and is delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of that in regards to Satan being yeah. a participant in the punishment, although that doesn't exactly say that. But yeah. All yeah. right. So Real- Satan's going to get what's coming to him yeah. uh, at the, on the day of judgment. He's yeah. not going to be the one that oh, gets his way, and now he gets to be the ruler. Gets over more all these people, wicked souls. more people yeah. that he can rule over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, real quickly, um, again, we ask, uh, we'll just do this real quick. What will make hell so terrible? It's going to involve torment, endless shame, horrible companions. Of course, First uh, Corinthians 6, verse 9, beginning, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So if they're not going to be in heaven, they're going to be in hell. That's And if you're there, you're going to be with all of those horrible people. One of the things I think will make hell terrible, as you said, Monty, the, the no end in sight, uh, the eternal nature of it makes it terrible, but also the bitter memories. When Abraham spoke to the rich man as he was in torment, Abraham said, Luke sixteen twenty five, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receives thy good things. Um, the, the the memory that we could have avoided it, that we could have done better, we could have done something different, will make it horrible too. Money. You know, all the times that we would have had opportunity to repent and change things the way that we're going in our life and, and do things God's way instead of our way. We'll ha- I just believe that's going to be a really agonizing thing in hell if we go there to know that I didn't have to be here. I chose to be here. And why would I have possibly done something so stupid? Yeah. Have those bitter memories. And again, Abraham said to Abraham said to the rich man, "Son, remember." And that will that will be a hard thing to remember. Uh, along those lines, Kent says, "Eternal separation from God, Christ, and faithful saints of God from all of the ages. The worst form of pain that is beyond either description or imagination. Uh, eternal darkness and the eternal association with the worst of the worst, with the most evil and vile form of humanity." literally the scum of the earth, also having the knowledge of uh, morally good people and even sincerely religious people who never obeyed the truth of God. Perhaps the very worst thing about hell is that such a place was prepared for the devil and his angels and that as humans one did not and does not have to go there. Those who end up in hell go because of their own choice. The lock on the door of hell is located on the inside with the inhabitants having thrown away the key. Yeah. Thank you, Kent, for that. Um, uh, that that expression that he used, that's the verse I was looking for. I can't find it. Uh, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the okay. one I was looking for. All right. Um, real quickly, we're just about out of time, uh, and we need to go to this last question. What's the difference between hell and Hades? And I think a lot of people use those words interchangeably, and they are not to be used interchangeably. And sadly... Uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, very often it's mistranslated. And where, where it should be Hades, it's translated as hell. Uh, in the King James Version, the word hell is found 23 times. But there are actually three different words in, in the original language that are translated as hell. One of those words is Hades. And Hades is the general abode of departed spirits, the spirits of the dead who are awaiting final judgment mm-hmm. uh, in the Old Testament the word was Sheol or the pit within Hades there's a place of punishment or torment and a place of comfort we see that plainly in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16 it's also clear from what Jesus said to the thief on the cross this day shalt thou be with me in paradise right. so in, when the spirit departs the body the spirit goes, spirits of all men go to Hades those who have lived righteous lives are are in a place of paradise or comf- Abraham's bosom, comforted there to await final judgment. Those who have lived evilly, uh, already experiencing torment, 
as the rich man was. And so and there's a and Abraham said to the rich man, there's a great gulf fixed between us. We can't go to you. You can't come to us. Uh, So basically, our eternal destiny is set, although final judgment hasn't been administered. We uh, departed spirits wait in Hades uh, for that. There's another word found only once uh, in the New Testament, and it's the word Tartarus. Uh, and it denotes uh, the part of hell that is torment. Uh, um, it's it's where evil men and rebellious angels are held uh, to in punishment awaiting final judgment, Tartarus. And then the word that equates to what we've been talking about tonight is Gehenna. Um, the, the, the New Testament word is a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew, uh, and the Hebrew literally was the Valley of Hinnom. And that's the place where outside the, the walls of Jerusalem, the, the trash of the city was burned. And there was just continual fires burning in the Valley of Hinnom. And that became to denote this idea of hellfire. But Gehenna is the word that we would typically think of when we say hell. Not Hades. Hades is just the realm of departed spirits. There's even a place of comfort in Hades. It's not all bad in Hades. Gehenna, it's all bad. It's eternal fire. It's everlasting uh, destruction that we've been describing tonight. That's the word Gehenna. Uh, So there's a difference between Gehenna hell and Hades. And the King James Version, although it's usually good, it really makes a mess translating those words. And so you kind of have to dig through that. All right. Um... And anything else here? Um, I guess Kent says the New Testament makes a distinction between the realm of the unrighteous dead in Hades, known as Tartarus, a temporary prison holding cell of the souls of those unforgiven awaiting the final judgment, and Gehenna, the final abode of all those condemned in eternity after the final judgment. The book of Revelation refers to Gehenna as the lake of fire. Okay, uh, real quickly in the chat room, we're just out of time, uh, 6573 says, So are the souls of Edward Fudge and Homer Haley in jeopardy because of their views? I'll leave that to the hands of God. God's a just God. Uh, we'll let him be the eternal judge. But I do think that what they taught was erroneous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be guilty of teaching error and face the Lord in judgment, having having taught that which was not true. And James chapter 3, verse 1 actually warns us that if we're going to take on the role of teachers, know that you're going to be held accountable for the teaching that you do. James 3, verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. The the idea there is a stricter judgment, if you look in other versions. Okay. So uh, I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to approach judgment, having been guilty of teaching what is in error. So we'll leave that to God. And then he asked, Do you really think... In your view of hell, that damned souls will interact with one another, recognize one another. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that. I, I do think there's a conscious existence beyond the grave. And I believe that the story of the rich man and Lazarus definitely suggests the idea of a conscious existence. Uh, the rich man consciously asked Abraham, send Lazarus back to my brothers and warn them so that they won't come to this place. So there's a conscious existence beyond the grave. And the rich man recognized both Abraham and Lazarus. Exactly. So if that is a had if that's not a figurative representation but a literal representation of it, then we would be if we were in hell or heaven, it seems that we would recognize mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And so the the question was would we have a conscious association? It appears so. <coughs> I think so too. Yeah. Hey, I think money you just got the last word. We're out of time. How do you like that? Monty, thanks for, for being here tonight. Thank you, Jacob. I guess I'll give you the last word, Dad, if you've got I'm one. I'm done. You're done. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Dad, for your time. <laughs> thank you. And uh, thank you for listening to the program tonight and for joining us. Thank you for your comments in the chat room tonight. If you got anything else you'd like to talk about, questions at com is the way you get in touch with us. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word on the program tonight. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.